Praise God. Well, we're in Exodus chapter 33. And I want to begin to read in verse 1. And it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you. And I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up with you in your midst. Or else I will consume you on the way for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I might know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. This is a really great verse to open up with in the joy of the Lord, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, October is going to be an, an important month in the life of this church. You saw the banner as you came in, our four point mission. And we are looking forward to this month because God is going to open some things up to us about our mission. Now, there are some parts of this mission that are not unique to Faith Church. They are unique to the church that is, that is the universal church, all who name the name of Jesus, hallelujah, that are a part of the church. God's given us assignment that we're supposed to be focused on and doing. And then some parts of this next four weeks is going to be specific things that God has assigned to us, that God has given to Faith Church as an assignment in this community to walk in. I believe that God is going to impart vision for your life and vision for our lives together during this week. And so we're going to be preaching four different messages. Here in Lincoln, we're going to be preaching them up in, in the order that I wanted them to be in. In Petersburg, we're going to be flip-flopping uh, back and forth because Cammie's taking two of them and I'm taking two of them. And we are uh, preaching these messages to the Lord. And so I'd like us to pray at the very beginning of this month and say, God, will you speak to me? God, will you open uh, your heart up to your people? God, will you not only speak to me, will you speak to us, amen, as a body? And so let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the word of God. And I'm thinking about different ones that you came to in the Bible. And when you met with them, and Lord, they, they met you for the, for the very first time. And you transformed their direction. 
God, you gave them purpose, not the purpose that comes from just being a human being, but the purpose that comes from being a part of your kingdom. I pray that that purpose will be imparted to your people uh, this week, this month, today, starting today, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, and everybody said amen, amen, praise God. We read this morning at breakfast tables that wonderful verse in Proverbs that says, without vision, people perish. Everybody say that together. Without vision, people perish. Uh, Mark Twain said, the best two days in your life are the, days that you were, the, the day that you were born and then the day that you discovered why. And I don't know, to be honest with you, I don't know Mark Twain's history. I just pulled that quote. I don't know his faith. I don't know whether he was a believer or not. Uh, a historian here might be able to tell you, but I know this, that that, 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 that saying is true. Saul knew that he was born, but he didn't know why. And then on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus, and he discovered why he was born. Oh, praise God. Praise God. I could march down through a trail of Bible characters, and I could say the same thing. And then I could look at many of you and say the same thing. You were wandering through this life, just going your own direction, but then you met Jesus. And when you met Jesus, something shifted, something changed in you. You didn't know at that point your full purpose, but you knew uh, you knew something's different in my life. I have a reason to live. This, uh, this, this relationship with God that I have is my direction. Praise God. And so uh, destiny is tied directly to your relationship with Jesus. Amen? So I love that song, Wandering into the Night. Uh, this vagabond. I was walking along, but then I, met, then I met a man that I didn't know before, and his name is Jesus. He saved me. He turned my life around. He put my feet out of the miry clay. That's a psalm. Out of the miry clay onto the rock. Thank you, Jesus. Well, here uh, we begin to introduce our first, the first point, the first banner of our vision for Faith Church, and that is this. We have passion for his presence. Our passion is his presence. Amen? And so here in Exodus chapter 33, we're just going to start here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move throughout a lot of different scripture this morning pretty quickly, but 
Israel had become stiff-necked. They had watched God open up the Red Sea, if you can imagine that. They had walked across the Red Sea on dry ground, and they had watched the, the cloud by day and the, and the pillar of fire by night separate themselves and protect them from the Egyptians. This is not just a fairy tale story, friends. This actually happened, okay? This actually happened. And so uh, the, the fire, the pillar of fire stayed behind them while they crossed the Red Sea to keep the Egyptians at bay. And when they got across the Red Sea, that fire moved across with the Israelites and the Egyptians came across too. And when they, when all of the army of Egypt got into the Red Sea, God withdrew his hand and the Red Sea covered the Egyptians and they all died there before the Israelites. And the Bible says that Miriam took a timbrel in her hand and she she, along with a company of women, begin to dance with all their might prophetically before the Lord, and they celebrated. God has gloriously delivered us, and he has, he has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. Hallelujah. That was a moment. But they had forgotten that moment. And they had, in their journey, gotten cold-hearted, what the Bible says is stiff-necked, and God had basically said, fine then. I'm going to let you go into the promised land because that's what I told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so I'm, I'm going to fulfill my promise to them, and I'll even send my angel with you, but I'm not going. I'm not going with you. And Moses gave this message to the Israelites. And they all refused to put on their, their ornaments. They, they didn't, they didn't uh, put on anything special. They began to mourn. And they began to grieve. Moses rebuked them and said, you better pray because because." Uh, because this isn't good. This isn't good. How often have we been just like the Israelites? We have forgotten God. Psalm 124.1 says, if, had, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us, the stream would have gone over our soul, and the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And so they recognized God brought us this far. It was his presence that brought us this far. But now we've forgotten him. Now we've gotten stiff-necked. Now we're, we're, we're not walking with him. And we're often in that same boat. Thank God that in this moment for Israel, there was a man that knew how to pray. And that man's name was Moses. 
And Moses began to pray, and I'm not going to take the time to read the whole story, but he had a tent of meeting, and he went out to that tent, and he began to pray, and he began to seek God. And we skip down to verse 15, and Moses said to the Lord this, and, and this is the cry of my heart, church, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Now think about that. They're sitting in the desert. There's a land flowing with milk and honey that God has given them permission to go to. But Moses says, oh God, keep us here in the wilderness. I would rather be here in the wilderness with you than in the land flowing in milk and honey without you. I've value your presence more than anything, God. Because your presence is more to me than comfort. Your presence is more to me than, than uh, having things easy. Your presence means more to me than all of the, the plush uh, wilderness and, and that, that, is in, that is in the promised land. Don't send us up from here. If your presence does not go with us, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except that you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people that are on the face of the earth. Moses, Moses knew uh, all the benefits that God's presence brought. But it wasn't just the benefits he was after. He was after him. Praise the Lord. I love the New International Version in this. What else will distinguish, the, listen to this, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What is it that distinguishes God's people. And this is God's desire. In fact, it's been God's desire from day one to be in relationship with his people. And I, I could walk you through Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This was a sound that Adam and Eve knew. They looked forward to it before they sinned. They looked forward to it. God coming down in physical form in the cool of the day to fellowship with Adam and Eve. And this was their reason for being. Of course, now that they've sinned, when God came down in the cool of the day and they heard the sound and they said, oh, that's God, what did they do? They ran and they hid because they were afraid. They had sinned. But God's intention was to walk in fellowship with Adam and Eve. I love this verse about Noah. This is what set Noah apart in his generation. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. That doesn't mean he was without sin. That means that he was set apart. He was 
He, he had lived a holy life. And it says this. It, it simply says, Noah walked with God. And because Noah walked with God, Noah had the favor of God upon his life. I almost chased a rabbit trail there. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay on track. Thank you, Jesus. Leviticus chapter 26. This is God's desire. This is what I'm trying to, to say to you. This is God's desire to presence himself among his people. Leviticus 26.11 says, I will set my tabernacle among you. And my soul shall not abhor you. That's a lot different than what we just read in Exodus chapter 33. And this is that back and forth relationship that God had with the Israelites because they would walk with God and then they would back off and then, and then uh, they, they would go back and forth. But this is God's desire. Uh, my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you walk uprightly. This was God's desire, that he would walk among his people. Um, Exodus Exodus chapter uh, 13 and verse 21 talks about the cloud and the fire that I, that I uh, had just mentioned. In fact, that lasted for 40 years. The cloud by day to cover them from the heat and the fire by night to protect them from the cold. That pillar hovered over the tabernacle for 40 years in a physical form. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? And so this is God's desire. Later on, um, as, as, the, as the nation was established, as, as uh, kings uh, came and went, and the, the nation uh, of Israel was established, it moved away from God again. And God would raise up prophets. And one of those prophets was Jeremiah. Jeremiah never had one convert his whole uh, prophetic uh, ministry. He was an amazing man. But we see over and over in Jeremiah, there were five or six scriptures I could have chosen. I chose Jeremiah chapter 24 and verse 6 because this was the will of God for the Israelites. And it says this, I will set my eyes on the Israelites for good. I will bring them back to this land. They were in captivity. I will build them, and I will not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up, and I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Hallelujah. This is God's desire that he be among his people. Even in the revelation to the, to the apostle John on the island of Patmos, when John was in, in, probably in his 80s at that point when he got the book of Revelation uh, given to him in an incredible vision. And in, in, a chapter, in, the, in the very first chapter, Jesus introduces himself as this. I am the one who walks among the lampstands. I am among them. The lampstands were representing the local churches. And Jesus said, I am the one who walks 
among them. And so Jesus, not this isn't just Old Testament and pillars and fires and smoke and all of those things. Jesus wants to be very present with his church. Hallelujah. His name is Emmanuel, which means God is among us. Hallelujah. God is among us. We celebrate the, the Christmas story when Jesus who was fully God, clothed himself in humanity and became fully man. And his name was Emmanuel. God, who was who's seemingly afar off, has now drawn near. Oh, thank you, Lord. And this is God's heart. This is what he wants all along to come near when Jesus shed his blood on the cross. Two of the Gospels, Two of them say the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. That was the Father ripping that veil wide open. And, and, it, and why did it happen? Because God was saying, I, hey, I, I don't live behind this veil any longer. The power of the cross made God's presence available to every single person. Oh, praise the Lord. This is God's heart. He wants to be among his people. His presence is here among us even right now. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. This is the distinguishing mark of the church. The distinguishing mark of the church should not be all the things that we're against. Well, I'm not a part of the church because of all the things they're against. Well, and to be fair, we are against some things. Not not because we're better than thou, but because those things separate us from God. They separate us from his presence. But we don't want what we're against to be our distinguishing mark. We don't want money. The church just wants money. I was in Missouri helping my son. We were at, uh, we were at Menards helping, um, helping uh, buying stuff, and this lady came up to me. And I normally ignore them. And she said, can I put your address down for a drawing? And I said, then you're going to start mailing me stuff. And she said, that's right. But I had a shirt on uh, that said something about the Lord is with you. I, I don't know. And she saw my shirt. And as I'm writing my address down, I should have put... I should have put one of your addresses down. That's what I should have done. That's bad. That is bad. She read my shirt and she said, I used to go to church. And I said, really? I said, what church did you go to? And she named a local Assemblies of God church. And she said, they even hired me on staff. 
But she said, when I got on staff, I realized this church is all about money. And she said, I quit my job and I quit my church and I haven't been back since. The distinguishing mark. What is the distinguishing mark of the church supposed to be? So then I'll just finish the story. She said, but I am starting a Bible study. In fact, I'm starting a Bible study this Sunday night with some friends. And I said, well, what is your Bible study about? And she said, forgiveness. <laughs> and I said, well, I know where you can start. <laughs> the distinguishing mark of the church. Even, friends, Pentecostals, the distinguishing mark is not the gifts of the Spirit. We would say the gifts are important. But the gifts of the Spirit that He gives to us are for people to connect with him. So much so that 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says this, if you prophesy, which is a gift of the Spirit, in a right way it's talking about, it talked about the right way and the wrong way, this verse is in the right way. If you use the gift of prophecy in a right way, and an unbeliever or somebody that is uninformed comes in, he is convinced by all and convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and falling down on his face, he will worship God. And he will go and he will report that God is truly among you. The distinguishing mark, what, what is he not going to report? Oh, they have the gifts of the Spirit in that church. Well, that's not what his primary report is going to be. His primary report is God is in that place. God is in that place. This is our passion. Our passion is his presence. His presence. Whatever else the church is called to do, and the church is called to do a lot of things. We're going to find out that this month. The church is called to evangelize and, and, and make disciples, and there's a lot of elements that God has called us to do and even commanded us to do. And so whatever else God has called us to do and be, we have got to have his presence. You might look down at the future and you might say, oh, well, if, if we could just get new carpet in the fellowship hall, we would be in the promised land. Oh, hallelujah. If we could just get our sign shifted to actually say faith church, we would be in the promised land. Oh, praise God. If it, you, you might say, you know what? There are other churches that do it better. And if we could just do it like those churches, we would be in the promised land. But friends, 
I would rather be right here where we are and have the presence of the living God among us than anywhere else. Hallelujah. Because we value his presence. If we get nothing else right, which, which I know this pastor gets a lot of things wrong, but if we get nothing else right, may we get this right. Oh, God, we are about the living presence of God in this house. Hallelujah. Because when God comes, anything can happen. Oh, praise the Lord. When God comes, anything can happen. I've watched God come and a place fall into silence for 30 minutes with, or longer with no children even making a sound because God displays himself holiness. I've watched God come with great conviction where nobody could stay in their seat because they had to get to the altar and fall down on their knees and repent before him. It's not because of a man. It's because of his living presence. And I declare to you as your pastor that I will never, ever be embarrassed at the presence of God. And we will not, uh, we will not compromise in the, in the things concerning the presence of God. Paul said twice to the Corinthians, in his first letter, in chapter 6, both of them happened to be in chapter 6. I don't know how he did that. In verse 18, he said this, or verse 19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body, now, now it's not just corporate. Now we're talking personal. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, Paul said it again. He said, um, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are, and that's plural there, corporate, you are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. And he says, and then, he, and then, uh, and then Paul quotes uh, Exodus chapter 29. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, this is a high, high calling to host the presence of God. This is a high, high calling. That isn't, because if we're going to host God's presence, we cannot just do anything that we want. We can't, if you personally are going to host God's presence, you cannot live any way you want. This is why Paul wrote it to the Corinthians. 
Backing up to the first time in 1 Corinthians 6, in, in verse 18, he says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside his body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And then he says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? And then he calls them. He says, you were bought at a price. That's the shed blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If we're going to be a host of God's presence, friends, we cannot live any way that we want. We cannot do anything that we want to do. We have to uh, restrain ourselves when we get a vision, when we get a vision to say, hey, uh, we're going to host God's presence in the church. And when people come, there, many of them are going to experience God. Then, then that shifts how we live. We restrain ourselves and we say, no, I can't go there. I'm a temple of God. I cannot go there. I'm hosting the presence of God in my life. I I cannot live this way or that way or any way I want because Jesus has paid for me with his blood and I am his servant and I am hosting his presence. Why is there a cost? Because there are things about God's presence that is different than anybody else. See, you can live any way that you want and host the person sitting next to you. But you cannot live any way that you want and host God because God is holy. And because he is holy, if we are going to host him, if we're going to create an atmosphere that he feels comfortable in, then we have to walk in holiness. And this is why a lot of churches avoid, uh, uh, avoid uh, hosting the presence of God. Because it means that we have to live differently. And I'd like to call every one of us to examine our hearts and our lives and to say, how am I living? How am I living? Am I living in a manner that will host the presence of God? Because it matters. Psalm 24.3 says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift his soul up to an idol or swear deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. Thank you, Lord. When God's presence is the main event, it means that we walk in holiness. It means that we're going to give ourselves, we're exploring, we're, we're on a journey of what biblical praise and worship really is. Because the second thing, the, the, the first thing about his presence is that he's holy. The second thing about his presence is that his presence inhabits praise. And when we praise and worship, you think that we open up the service just with singing? We just do that because, well, that's what religious people do? No, we do that because praise invites, it creates an atmosphere 
of the presence of God. Hallelujah. And so if God has called Faith Church, if he has called us that gather here at 1225 Nicholson Avenue. Now, this is not, 1225 Nicholson Road, this is not where God lives. This is where God's people meet. And so it, because this is where God's people meet, this is where he presences himself, right? And so uh, we, go, we, we don't just go through motions of singing. We, we uh, give God praise to build an atmosphere where he presences himself among us. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 22 and verse 3 says this, God, you are holy. You are enthroned or you inhabit the praises of your people. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This, this means that we're exploring and, and we are moving forward together in how God wants to be praised and how God wants to be worshipped. We are not simply singing songs to entertain people. We are not trying to make, make you stand in awe of our musical ability. We are not trying to do that. We are trying to host the presence of God. And hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to connect with what's happening, not just so that you can sing along, but so that praise will rise up out of your soul, out of your spirit, because we all know this, we can sing songs and not praise. We can sing songs and not praise. But we want to create an atmosphere where, where praise rises up before the Lord. Hallelujah. And when praise rises up before the Lord out of my heart, his presence comes and fills the place. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. God has a calling on this house to host the presence of God. That means God has a calling on your life to host the presence of God. I want to end with this. There is the omnipresence of God, where his presence is everywhere. He's the only being that can be everywhere at the same time. The devil cannot be everywhere at the same time. He can only be in one place. That's why I've probably never wrestled with the devil. I've wrestled with some imps that are in the kingdom of darkness because they can only be at one place at one time. But God is not like that. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. This is the hope, friends, of our prodigals that are, are not living for God. They can't go anywhere, and God is not there. God is there. God is there. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that God was there when you were running? And everywhere you went, you kept bumping into him <laughs> because he's there. You can't get away from God. 
But there is also his manifest presence. And this is when God reveals himself in such a tangible way that everybody knows that God is there. And when we talk of his manifest presence, God is not everywhere. He is not, he does not just manifest his presence everywhere. His presence is manifested in very specific times and locations, places and people. And so when we pray things like, God, we welcome you, some of you are saying, well, God was here long before you welcomed him. And that's true. But what we're praying is, what we're really praying is, God, manifest your presence here in this place. When we, when we pray things like, God, come down. Well, God is already here. He doesn't need to come down according to his omnipresence. But don't get caught up in semantics. What we're praying for is, God, manifest your presence here to everybody that comes. Because if you would just manifest your presence, lives will change. Miracles will happen. People will be transformed from glory to glory. Things that we did not even expect will take place. Our passion is your presence. That's what we're after. Let's pray this morning. Just close your eyes right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your presence, oh God. presence, God. Your glory, God. Lord, I pray right now that there would be even just one just have a breakthrough in their personal life. And knowing that your presence is real. That your presence is something we can experience. That you want us, we, you want us to know you. Your presence is you, Lord. 
you want your people to know you and experience you. Thank you, Lord. The beginning place of that is to start a relationship with him. And if you're here and you, you, you might have known what it means to go to church or just be a part of a religious group. But if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I want to know Jesus personally. I want to give him my heart. There's something inside of me that is just leaping up right now. That is just saying, I want to know God. And I want to give my life to the Lord. If that's you, just just right now while people are praying, just lift your hand up to the Lord and say, God, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Let's pray together right now, everybody. Just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for cleansing my heart as I turn from sin. I just freely confess that I need your help in that. And I invite you to come and be my Lord. Help me to know you. Help me to know your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I thank you for walking with us. I thank you for just touching hearts right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that more than we want to know you, you want us to know you. You want to walk among us and be our God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Jesus. 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 You are good. You are good. You are good. Just declare that the Lord is good right now. And just for, just for one moment here, I won't drag this out, but just for one moment here, just say, Lord, I love your presence. Lord, I long for you. I give you praise. I give you glory. I thank you, Jesus, for your goodness to me. I praise your name. I praise your name. I praise your name. Your presence is everything to me. Lord, some of us are a longing for you to answer a very specific prayer. We're believing you for very specific miracles. We're praying for different ones in our lives and in our families. And when 
you answer that prayer, we're going to feel like we're in the promised land. Hallelujah. You bring us out. But Lord, we just agree right now with Moses. And we say, God, if your presence does not go with us, if we can't have you, there's nothing else that we want. Oh God, we don't need more bells and whistles. We don't need this or that. All we want is you. All we want is you.